has for the last 10 and a half years been the director of the Seed Line Ministry of Bearing Precious Seed. Um, have you been there longer than that or been ten and, ten and a half years total there at Bearing Precious Seed? And uh, I mentioned it this morning, but I want to say again, these folks work hard. It's a lot of work to travel all over the country with thousands of pounds of scriptures and covers and uh, cutting equipment and staplers and to set it up and take it down and set it up and take it down and set it up and take it down about 30 times a year in, in different churches across the U.S. And I, I have a new level of respect for what he does. I've known uh, Brother Chad for a while, but I have a new level of respect for what he does after seeing what, uh, what we did here at our church this week. He left a lucrative uh, business career as a manager of a, of a Walmart store in Pennsylvania, believing God, calling, God was calling him into the, to the work of missions and with a burden for the word of God and the distribution and propagation of it. So we're thrilled to have him here tonight. He's going to bring our closing message, and then we're going to, he's going to lead us after uh, the, the message is over. He's going to lead us in a dedication prayer for these scriptures. Brother Chad, come on and preach to us, would you please? Okay. Well, first of all, I just need to say this. Thank you, church. Uh, thank you for a great past couple of days. Um, I was so encouraged by the turnout we had at each uh, each uh, segment of the project, um, you know, the way we did it here, we don't always uh, do it that way where uh, different people come every two hours. And that's a lot. We had, we had a lot of different people come every two hours. And, you know, that's a lot of um, training, showing people what to do. And, you know, once you get going, it kind of just takes a while to get into the groove. And, and before you know it, the two hours were up, right? And, uh, but uh, to get 20,000 done in eight hours with, with, uh, eight, with uh, people not having that, be able to do it all the time, that was great. And I just, just encouraged, again, just how many that came out for it. Um, I hope that you enjoyed it, first of all. I hope that you had a good time. I think we had a good time, just a good time of fellowship and things like that. But uh, again, as I maybe I mentioned during, the, during one of the segments, I also mentioned that I hope that you uh, consider it uh, 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 something that uh, it's a privilege to do. You know, not everybody gets to do this. Not everybody gets to get their fingerprints on Scripture that's going to somebody uh, on the other part of the world. And uh, what a privilege that is uh, to do that. Uh, but even more than that, I pray that God would, if he hasn't already, that he would continue to work in your heart that not only has it been fun but a, but a, and a privilege, but also this, that it's a responsibility that it's our responsibility as God's people to take care of God's word. In fact, that's what our ministry is based on. Our ministry of bearing precious seed, our, our church, First Baptist Church in Milford, Ohio, we've been printing the word of God for 50 years. And the reason is because we believe God's people should take care of God's word. Uh, we, we, if we look, if we had the time, and maybe we could come back another time and go, go to this, but we can go through scripture, the Old Testament, in New Testament and see that, that it's always been God's people that have taken care of God's word. And somewhere along the line, that responsibility has been given up to the world, to the lost world. And even though we could, we could go through the Bible and show you that through scripture, it just to me, it's just common sense. I'm kind of a common sense type of a guy that God's people would take care of God's word. Why would we give that responsibility to the world? But unfortunately, we have over the years. And you might say, Chad, what's the big deal about that? What's the big deal about if, it's, if, if the world prints it or, or if the local church prints it? Well, there's consequences. And there's been consequences of it. 
Uh, one, I believe, is this, is that, that we have so many different uh, versions or perversions of the Bible today. The other one is this, is that there's still thousands of people groups that don't have a Bible in their language. Can I tell you, when, when the world prints uh, the Bible, they're worried about one thing, and that's this. That's money. But as God's people, we should be concerned about what the souls of men and just being obedient to what God has us to do, our responsibility. And so we've given that up. And we need to take that back. We need to take that responsibility back. That's, that's what we need to do. And uh, certainly um, not everybody's going to have a printing press at their church and those type of things. But there's something that everybody can do to get involved in getting the word of God out. And of course, the past few days was one of those ways to do that through the Sea Line Project. And, and uh, we have over 220 churches all across this country that are involved in this particular part of the ministry. And um, last year, it allowed us to um, cover the cost and get out 10.7 million copies of Scripture just through our Sea Line churches. Uh, our ministry, we, we print not just the John and Romans, we print New Testaments and whole Bibles as well. And uh, when we take these John and Romans, these scripture portions out to the churches, that uh, allows just a few men that we have in the print shop to focus on not only the printing, but also to the binding of the whole Bibles, because that obviously takes a few more steps. And so, church, again, I just want to say uh, thank you so much uh, for what you've uh, um, partnered with us on, uh, getting the word of God out. Um, it's an assignment that God has certainly given to us. And there is obviously something that everybody has a part in doing. Everybody has a part in, in this assignment that God has given us. And, uh, and some of those parts are even represented here in this conference. Uh, we, have a, uh, we have translators to translate the Word of God into somebody's heart language. We have uh, people that are uh, able to print the Word of God and to, and to uh, 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 publish the Word of God. And then we have uh, missionaries. We have the, the messengers that go out and propagate the word of God. And those are just a few of the parts of it, to be honest. There's really hundreds of parts in there. And there is a part for each one of us in that. There is something for each one of us. And there is really a need for all of them. There is a need for each part of that puzzle, each each part of that. Could you imagine during the Sea Line Project, I mean, if we didn't have the covers or people doing the stapling or, or whatever, whatever the case may be, there was something for everybody to do. And all at the end, it, it really, it came to, with the finished product, right? The Word of God in somebody's language. There is a need for all of them. There are, but there is also a need for more partners, more laborers more partners in the gospel. And that's what I want to speak to you tonight about. If you would turn uh, in your Bibles this evening to Matthew, if you would, Matthew chapter 9. Matthew chapter 9. And I hope that uh, also, too, you look forward to the end of this service today. Uh, probably one of my favorite parts uh, of the uh, scripture projects, the, the seed line projects is uh, when God's people, they get around all of these boxes. Uh, we're going to get our hands on these boxes. We're going to gather up here on this alt around this altar. And uh, we, what we want to do is we want to commit these scriptures. We've done our part, and we, we're trusting the Lord to do the rest, that, he, that he's going to do his part. And so you don't want to miss that. That's a, a sweet time 
that we're going to have. And uh, if you weren't here uh, over the past few days as well to be able to help, um, that uh, tonight's your night to get involved. Again, we're going to take some time and pray over these scriptures, and we're also going to take, take each box and, and load it up and get it ready to go to the foreign field. But Matthew chapter 9 and verse 38, verse 38 itself is probably a verse that is really familiar to a lot of us. Uh, this verse, uh, uh, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 38, verse that we've heard uh, uh, several times. If, if you've um, been going to church for a long time, you've, you've heard this verse. The, the, the Bible says this, says, Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. And of course, we've heard that, and, and uh, he's a dire, desire for us to pray for laborers. But here's my question to you tonight. Do we do that? Uh, can we honestly say tonight that we, that we do this, that we pray for laborers? You, say, you might say, Brother Chad, why are you uh, giving us a message uh, about, about, about laborers, about partners in the gospel? Because here's what I found out in ten and a half years of Bible publishing, is that it takes laborers to get it out. It's going to take labors to get it out. And there's all kinds of parts and pieces to it, but it's going to take labors. It's going to take people that are willing to partner in getting the gospel out. And so again, my question tonight is, do we pray for labors? Do we, do we pray for labors? And in this text uh, with it is, I, I believe, is an example for us that we can follow, uh, that would get us to the point that we would pray for labors, that would that would something that would work inside of us to really convict our hearts to pray for laborers. And specifically, the actions that Jesus did, for, that he gave us an example for us, right here in this text here. And that's what I want to look at tonight. Let's, 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 if you would, let's stand tonight. Let's read God's word. Let's read the, the text that we will be in this evening. The Bible says here in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35... It says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. I want to preach a message to you tonight called Praying for Gospel Partners. Praying for Gospel Partners. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we do ask you, Lord, for your blessing on this evening. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace to us. We are so privileged to be called a child of God. And Lord, we know with that comes many privileges, many great things that come with that, but also comes responsibility, Lord. And one of those responsibilities is getting your word to a lost and dying world. Lord, I pray, God, tonight, God, that you would speak to us through your word. God, that I would get out of the way, Lord, that we would hear from you, in you alone, and God, that you would work in our hearts 
for the great need of the word of God to lost souls all around this world. God, I pray that you would open our eyes, open our hearts, and you'd receive all the glory for it. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. I want us to first look at verse 35, if you would. Take you to verse 35. In verse 35, we really uh, uh, see uh, Jesus, if I could say it this way, really Jesus uh, doing what you would expect Jesus to be doing in his earthly ministry. If you've read the gospel records, uh, these are things that you uh, just see Jesus doing all the time and expect him to do it. And it says here, it says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. And so, again, we see him doing the things that really that we would expect Jesus to be doing in his earthly ministry, if I could say it that way. Uh, teaching, uh, preaching the gospel, healing those that are sick, uh, really doing those things that you would expect the good shepherd uh, to be doing. Um, I also noticed this on a side note in verse 35, is that he went to all the cities and villages. He went to all the cities and villages. You know what that tells me? That the gospel is for everybody. That the gospel needs to go to every place. It needs to go to all the cities and villages. Uh, there's places that, there's huge cities full of lost souls, but there's also some in those far-reached villages. Um, Back in this past year, uh, I had an opportunity to go to, on a distribution, a scripture distribution trip into Italy. And uh, we focused a lot on these large cities there in Italy. But you know what else we did? We went to the villages. We took the extra time, we took the extra drive, we took the extra steps that it took to go to the small villages to get those people the gospel. And we see this part of this example that Jesus gives us that we are to go to all of the cities and villages. But what I want to really look at this evening is this, is again, these, there's actions that Jesus took, and, and I don't know about you, but when I look at Jesus' earthly ministry and the things that he did, I like to look at the things that he did personally. You know, what are the things that he did? Not only the things that he said, but also the things that he did. And I think, again, there's some actions here that we can look at this evening that can, that can help us uh, get to the point that we would... Uh, do a better job about praying for gospel partners, about praying for laborers. And one of the first actions I see that he does here is this. It says in verse uh, uh, 36, uh, but before that, again, we see that verse 35, he's, he's really doing those things that you expect him to do, but verse 36 starts off with what? It starts off this word, but. You know, when I saw that, I caught my attention because it seemed that something caught Jesus' attention. And it goes on to say this, it says, but when he saw the multitudes, when he saw the multitudes, that sounds pretty simple and, and, and clear. But I took that, and Jesus took the time in and, and doing the things that he was doing in his earthly ministry, things that counted, something stopped him, and he stopped, and he, and he saw the multitudes, that means he looked out and saw a, a great number, an indefinite amount of people. I look out tonight, I couldn't tell you right off the bat how many of our people are here. There is a multitude of people in here. 
And if Jesus did that action, that tells me that I need to and that we need to take the time to see the multitudes. Can I ask you this this evening? Are we, are we taking the time to see the multitudes? Do you see the multitudes? I mean, when you go out and, and uh, the street that you live on, do you see the multitudes? Do you see those that are without Jesus Christ? Do you see lost souls? Um, when you go out shopping, um, do you see uh, uh, lost souls? Maybe when you go to Walmart or, or Target, wherever you may shop, you know, we're so busy uh, doing our thing and we're so task-driven sometimes. We're just so focused on what we're doing. Do we take the time to see the multitudes? Do we take the time to see the lost souls? Uh, how about when we turn the TV on and we turn the news on and, and uh, we, we see people on there that are doing things that we, are, uh, we completely do not understand? We see those that, that we don't agree with, that don't uh, look like us, that don't think like us. Is that all we think about or do we, just see, or do we see multitudes again of, of souls that are lost on their way to hell? How about when the missionary comes and presents his work? I don't know if you noticed on Brother Joel's um, display out there, he's in a city of one million people. Can I tell you that Brother Joel is not going to be able to reach all one million people? There is a multitude of people that still need reached there in the city he's in, in Brazil. How about when Brother uh, Fielder comes up and he explains to you that there's uh, people groups with no Bible uh, translated in their language, thousands of people groups that have no Bible in their language. Do you see the multitudes? And no missionary and no messenger to tell them. Do you see the multitudes? Do you see the multitudes like Jesus does? I, I, I think that's important that we really consider that we uh, have a view uh, like Jesus does. Um, we have a property uh, in, in El Paso, Texas, Bearing Precious Seed does, and we have a, a, a piece of property down there that uh, years ago we used to do some printing down there too and, and send scripture uh, into, into Mexico and, and further down and and now that God has blessed us with the equipment that we have in, in, in Milford, Ohio, uh, we don't need to print there anymore. And, and uh, by the way, I'd encourage you, if you're ever coming through uh, Milford, Ohio, come by. And I'd love to show you around, give you a tour of the print shop there and show you what God's doing. But now we use that property in El Paso, Texas. We use it for, uh, for, um, uh, for, for missions, for, for groups to come down and to... Uh, and to be able to go and, and be a help, we, the, the groups come and they, they stay in our property at El Paso uh, there and they assemble scriptures, the John and Romans, just like we've done the past few days. And then what we do is we go over into Juarez and work with local pastors there in Mexico and, and uh, have evangelistic meetings and, and distribute John and Romans door to door and invite them to these evangelistic meetings. It's a great week. It's a great week. But of course, before we do that, we want God's blessing on that week. And so what we do is we uh, uh, take the time and we get up in the, in the vans and we drive up into the mountain. And the, the drive up to the mountain is kind of a long drive. 
And uh, if, if, as you start to drive up the mountain, uh, what you will see is you will see um, uh, several streets first of, first of El Paso, and you'll see some people on the streets there. And uh, as you get further, you get to see uh, more people in streets in El Paso, and, and you start to see a, a, a larger part of El Paso. And, and then uh, once you get closer to the top, or once you get to the top, what you see is not only a good part of El Paso, Texas, but, it's all, but you see a, a very large portion of Juarez, Mexico. And about that time when we get up there, it's getting about dusk. And so all the porch lights are on. And when you get up there, it looks like, honestly, it's like a million porch lights are out there. And it's very overwhelming because you're like, oh my, there's quite the work that needs to be done. There's a lot of people that still need the gospel. There's still a lot of people that need to know about Jesus. Can I tell you, that's kind of the view that Jesus has. He has a, a, a worldview of, of the need to get the gospel around the world. And that's the view that we need to try to have, the, 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 the view that we need to try to embrace. We need to see the multitudes like Jesus. Um, in verse 36, it says this, it says, But when he saw the multitudes... What's it say there? That he was moved with compassion on them. He was moved with compassion on them. So the first action we see is uh, uh, that he saw the multitudes. The second one is this, is that he was moved. That he was moved with compassion. That means that there was something inside of him. Uh, he felt, he means he felt sympathetic. There was something that in his gut that caused him uh, 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 to feel something in there. It did something to him physically. Can I ask you this tonight? What moves you to have compassion on someone? What moves you to have compassion on someone? I know for me, many times, it's this. It's, it's, to, it's to visually see what somebody is going through. You know, many times we come to church and, and uh, we give our prayer requests and, and uh, somebody is is burdened for somebody and we pray for that person and of course that person that gives up that request is certainly you could tell that they are burdened for that person it's it's they have compassion for that person and uh, we might pray for that person but we certainly don't have compassion like that person does because we haven't seen that person we we don't know that person like that other one does and so many times it makes us see somebody in their situation uh, a couple years ago, we were going to a church and to uh, one of our Sea Line churches, and we were going to do the Sea Line project there, and and uh, to find out that the uh, pastor's wife had cancer and she was going through the chemo treatments. And uh, the first night that she was there, and and she had already, like I said, going through the chemo, and and you could tell that she had lost her hair, but she was there and she was working. And the next day, uh, she wasn't there, and we had stopped the project. Uh, everybody was stopping to eat lunch, and, and uh, the pastor's wife was not there. And uh, one of the ladies came up in the church and came up to the pastor and uh, was asking, how, you know, how is Miss Sally doing today? Is there anything that I could do for Miss Sally? I, I, I'm worried about Miss Sally. You know what? I could tell that that lady had compassion for Miss Sally, she, she knew it. She, she could see the things that, that she was going through. And that made her have compassion on her. 
what is it exactly Jesus is seeing here? Let me share a couple of verses here with you this morning. I want to put these two, these two actions together for you in, in a couple of different texts um, through Scripture. Matthew 14, verse 14 says this, is that, And Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them and healed their sick. Mark 6, verse 34, And Jesus, and Jesus when he came out, saw much people. And he was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Luke, 17, Luke 7, verse 13. And when, he saw, when, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. And he said unto her, weep not. Luke 10, verse 33. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. And when he saw him, he had, what, compassion on him. In Luke 15, verse 20, and he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. Can I tell you this, this evening, if we were looking for lost souls, it would make us to have compassion on them. If we would take the time to look for the lost souls in this world, they're all around us every day. It would do something inside of us. It would, it would compel us to do something about it. What exactly is it that Jesus sees here? Is it their physical sickness? I don't think so, because we know that he was already uh, uh, helping them with their uh, uh, physical needs. What he, see, what he saw was this. He saw their, their spiritual sickness, their, their spiritual needs. How do we know this? What does Jesus say next here in verse 36? The verse says, But when, when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. As sheep having no shepherd. Um, my wife Heidi, she... Uh, grew up in western Pennsylvania, and she, her, her dad used to have a farm, and, and they had sheep on their farm, and they were kind of getting out of it when I was uh, getting uh, to know her. But I learned a few things about sheep and uh, raising sheep. One I learned is that sheep need direction. Uh, sheep need someone uh, to lead them. Uh, uh, sheep need uh, someone to take care of them. Um, Sheep are not the brightest animal, <laughs> if I could say it that way. Uh, they have a tendency to follow each other, to, to, to go astray. They get lost. And so what sheep need is a shepherd. Can I tell you what this lost world needs? It needs the shepherd. It needs Jesus Christ to, to lead them in the way, his way. He saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion on them. Thirdly, I see this. Then he said, or then saith he. Would you look at me in verse 37? Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. The labors are few. Can I tell you tonight? First of all, can I say this? I believe this is an example for us. This is from Jesus. This is him saying this. But 
No way was this a surprise to Jesus. Uh, he knows, and, and so I believe this is an example for us, and, and I believe if we would get to this point that we, it would help us understand and realize that there is a great need. There is a massive need to get the gospel out. And then there's a problem with that. The labors are few. The labors are few. And so we need to realize that. We need to plan about that. We need to strategize about that. But most of all, we need to pray about that. We need to pray about that. Um, our ministry of Seedline uh, takes us all across the country, um, from the East Coast to the West Coast, probably six or seven years now, I guess it's been, um, we started getting calls from churches in California. Now, California is a long way from Milford, Ohio, okay? But uh, we, went out to, we went out to California to work with churches out there. And, uh, and uh, before then, I don't know if I was ever in California. And uh, I don't know about you, I didn't know what to think about California. I kind of had my own thoughts about California. Here's what I found out about California. That it's very ag- agricultural. <laughs> that the large portion of the state of California is very agricultural. There is a lot of, of, of farming communities there and, and, and that type of thing going on, even smaller towns uh, across the state that are focused on farming. And uh, uh, my travels took me to churches all across California, uh, but I probably spent more time in Northern California. And in Northern California, they have a lot of orchards there. Now, when I say there's a lot of orchards, I'm saying when you drive down roads, there's trees, orchards. Uh, they go on for miles. These trees go for miles. <laughs> and if you just take a peek and look down the rows, the row looks like the row goes down uh, for a mile itself. And a lot of times I would be there in the late summer uh, during the harvest time. And I was like, man, how are they going to get all this done? How are they going to get all this all, all this?" Uh, uh, picked off all these trees. I, it's like, there's no way they're going to get all of this off of here. Well, you know how they do it? They do it with labors. They do it with labors. All of a sudden, you'll see uh, tons of, of people come out and cars parked along the roads and, and uh, heavy equipment and all these things, and you'll see the laborers come out. I would say this too, it takes the right resource. It takes the right resource as well. And what's going to take the right resource to reach a lost world is the Word of God. So it's going to take labors and the Word of God. What is a labor? Well, a simple definition is this, someone that's really just willing to work. Uh, uh, someone that's willing to work, some, that's kind of hard to find these days, isn't it? Someone just, just willing to work. Someone that's just willing to do the job. I like this definition of a laborer. A person doing a unskilled work for wages. A person doing a unskilled work for wages. You know why I like that? Maybe you've heard this cliche before. God's looking for what? He's not looking for a what? Ability. He's looking for Availability. And that's what God desires. He just desires us to be willing to do what he desires, and then he will give us uh, the gifts. He's promised to give us his power as we go out and do what the assignment that he's given us to do. We just need to be willing to, to do it, to willing to go out and to labor for him. 
You know what else I've seen when I go out to California and I've seen the, uh, uh, the, these, these harvest fields of the, the trees and the orchards and things like that? I've also been to the cities. Uh, San Francisco, Los Angeles. And it's really not there. It's all across this, this area and this country is that the harvest is plenteous but the laborers are few. The harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Folks, there are, there are people dying every day, going to hell, as we sit back and live our lives out. What do you say? Do you say there's a need for laborers? Can you really be compelled to, to really see that, that there is a, a great need for laborers? John chapter 4, verse 35 says this, says, Say not ye that are yet four months, and then cometh harvest? Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are white, already to harvest. Folks, there is a harvest that is ready. There is a harvest that is ready, but the laborers are few. There's not enough partners in the gospel to help to get the assignment completed. And God wants you to be a part of that. He's got a part for each one of us. Again, I'll use this illustration of our sea line project that we've had. There was a part for each one of you during that, wasn't there? It took laborers to do it. I mean, if I just showed up and just uh, 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 the pastor, the staff, and the missionaries came and, and we did it, we'd still be working on it. We'd still be working on it. But you know what? Many laborers came out. Many laborers came out and made the work, what? Easier. We got more accomplished. And we could have got more accomplished, right? If I brought more, right? And just think about that. That's the same idea as we, God has given us this task to reach the lost world. And so Jesus, we see that he, uh, there's these three actions that he, that he did. And these three actions compelled him, compelled him to give the disciples an action to do. And what was that? It was to pray. It was to pray. In verse 38, the Bible says this, says, pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You know, how about you? I, I, I always found this interesting that was that, that they just didn't go. That he, he told them to pray first. That's, that's what he told them to do. Of course, in chapter 10, the next chapter, we see that he, he, he sends them out to go. But before that, he tells them to pray. And I find that interesting because I know myself and maybe some of you are this way, but I'm not built that way. If there's a task, there's a goal given to me to do, I'm ready to go do it. Let's go and let's go do it. But he says first, he says, guys, you're going to pray. Pray that the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. I believe there's several reasons why he does this. One is, is to realize, so they realize that he's the one that's going to send them. God is the one that sends us. The one has commanded us to go out. He's the one that gives us the power to go out. But I also believe this. He's telling me, if I could say it this way, he's saying, boys, you ain't going to get it done on your own. You ain't going to get this done on your own. You better pray for some help. Pray for the laborers. 
And so I believe that was one of them. And so that's what we need to do. We need to pray for the laborers. Can I tell you this as well? What might happen if you pray for laborers? He might make you one. He might make you one. In fact, I would say this. It's almost wrong for us to pray for laborers if we're not willing to be one ourselves. We need to pray for laborers. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty good about praying for the laborers, those people that I know and uh, uh, missionaries that I know and, and pastors that I know. I'm pretty good about praying for the laborers. But you know what I could do better at, and maybe you could do better at, is praying for more laborers. Praying for those that could partner with us in getting the gospel out. We could do better with that. We need to pray for laborers. But I believe here in this example that Jesus has given us, uh, that we need to follow this. Otherwise, we are not going to do it. We are not going to do it. We need to take the time to see the multitudes. See the multitudes, to, to be moved, and that would take us to be moved with compassion. If we would take the time to see the multitudes, it would move us with compassion. It would have us a desire to do something about it. And then we would understand, we would truly understand, it would help us to say that the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. And then, of course, it would therefore make us to pray, to pray for the laborers. Again, we need laborers that are willing to give the gospel to the multitudes, uh, their neighbors on their streets, those we see on TV, uh, those in countries where there's no missionary and whole unreached people groups. Can I give you a challenge this week? Would you take the time to see the multitudes? Would you just start with that? You know, our challenge tonight, it should be to pray for laborers. But our challenge is going to be this. Would you just take the time to see the multitudes? Everywhere you go, when you go to work, when you go down your street, when you're at the stop sign, at the stoplight, uh, at your workplace, uh, at the store, everywhere you go, Understand and realize there is lost souls all around us, just around us, not even just around us, but all around this world, that we need to do our part in getting them the gospel. Lift up our eyes, and we need to look onto the fields, for they are white as harvest. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, again, we thank you again for the opportunity to be in your house this evening. Thank you for that privilege we have. Lord, I pray, even myself, Lord, that God, that you would help me to look upon the fields. Lord, help me as I go out to look and see that truly there is a great harvest that is ready. God, help me to do my part in it. Help me to see the great need. Help me to... Uh, uh, Pray for more laborers, more partners, gospel partners, Lord, to reach this lost world with the great news of Lord Jesus Christ. God, I pray you to help us tonight. In Jesus' name.